You know, it's a strange experience to stand up here and speak to you and you're all sitting there quietly in anticipation or courtesy and uh, waiting to see what uh, we'll have on the plate this morning. And uh, what happens with what I say uh, depends on several things. It depends on your abilities and strengths. It depends on the work of the Holy Spirit. And it depends on the work of the devil, as we heard in the scripture reading this morning. Some of the word that will be spoken is going to be lost completely. As the devil, the evil one, comes and snatches it up, before you hit the cloak area, you've already forgotten what was spoken. Some of it might last a little while, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches is going to snap it up while you're thinking about your car out there, or you watch the vehicles driving off the yard, and by the time you drive off the yard, it's all gone. Some of it will fall into fruitful ground. Some of it will be bearing good fruit, maybe a hundredfold, maybe 30 or whatever, depending on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So, what's happening this morning then is a battle between the good of the Holy Spirit and the bad of the devil who tries to destroy everything that is being said. So let's enter the battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we realize that we depend on you. We depend on you to communicate your word through me to those who will be hearing. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open your word to each one of us and that it will fall out of fruitful ground and that it will bear fruit to have a positive effect on each one who hears. Amen. Uh, in Bible school, we were told that uh, we'd now be studying the book of Chronicles. And if I asked you, have you read through the Bible, you'd like to say yes. And I say, have you read all of Chronicles? Uh, well, not necessarily every part of it. Because uh, when you get into Chronicles, there are names, names, names. And they're not just John, Henry, and Dave either. You know, uh, they're difficult names. And uh, so my roommate and I decided that, uh, well, we'll get two birds with one stone. Uh, let's read the book of Chronicles for our devotions. I'll take half a chapter, you take half a chapter, we'll get through it eventually. And, and uh, as we got to class the next day, the instructor says, uh, well, the book of Chronicles isn't exactly the kind of book you would read for your devotions. And <laughs> we didn't even look at each other. <laughs> so anyhow, I want to take two little verses out of the book of Chronicles, because as you go through these names, all of a sudden, there's a little diamond in there. And that is the prayer of Jabez. You need to know something about this man. Uh, we come to the first Chronicles, and uh, we read, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Jabez wanted to be and do more for God. And then the last part says, And God granted him his request. Now, when Vern asked me to speak this morning, I'd been thinking about prayer and uh, in my own life and in the life of the church. And as I was thinking about it, I picked up this small book and I read it and I thought to myself, you know, this, this book really says more about prayer than I could ever think of. So I have to put in an explanation here. 
Most of the material that I want to uh, talk about this morning is not my own. It's taken from that little book, which many of you have read several years ago, written by Dr. Bruce Wilkinson. I thought his comments really lifted out the truth of this prayer of Jabez. It challenged me, and I felt that sharing it with you would remind us again about some of the things about meaningful prayer. Jabez is still remembered for not for what he did, but for what he prayed. It reveals that God our Father longs to give us so much more than we may ever thought to have asked for. After telling about Jabez, the person writing out these chronicles, uh, usually attributed to Moses, I guess, uh, continues with those difficult names and very little is said about this man, Jabez. We read that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called upon the Lord, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from all evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And the next verse, uh, we hear again the names of the tribes. Judah goes on as if nothing has happened. But you need to know something about this man, Jabez. He stands head and shoulders above everyone else. What was the secret of this man? Things started badly for him, for what seems to be an insignificant man. But he prayed an unusual one-sentence prayer, and things ended exceedingly good. What is the secret of this man? The request that he makes strikes as remarkably great. When was the last time when you worked at something spiritual and you asked God to help you, and when it was all over, you said, hey, God did that. And that's what basically happened to this man. God basically has many unclaimed blessings and uh, we have to ask for them. We can proceed with confidence and expectation when we ask our Heavenly Father for something. There are many blessings that he would like to give us, but we have to ask for him. Look at the first request. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, like asking God to bless me, Aren't we supposed to be uh, unselfish and giving people? This seems to be a self-centered request. It appears that it's expecting something from God, and it's something really that God longs to hear. God wants us to ask, and God wants us to ask for his blessing. God bless me. You know, that really struck me as I read this little book. And this is the prayer of Jabez. And God answered that prayer. God, bless me. And then he says, actually, uh, bless me indeed. Now that's like adding a couple of exclamation marks behind that word, God bless me. God, God, God bless me indeed. I want this. And, uh, well, we have to look at this man. 
His story really begins with his name. His mother called him Jabez because she says, I bore him in pain. Now, whether that meant that he would have more pain in his life, we really don't know. There's no further explanation about this. But in the Hebrew, the word Jabez does mean pain. Now, can you imagine having to go through your life with a name like, hey, pain? That would be just exactly the name that any teenager would love to hate. But anyhow, that was his name. Jabez had grown up hearing about the God of Israel, how the God of Israel had appeared to their forefathers and delivered them from slavery, how he had rescued Israel from their enemies, how he established them in the land of plenty. He must have fervently hoped that this God of miracles would do it again. Why not ask for him? And that's what he did. He prayed the most improbable request imaginable. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And he meant, I mean, a lot. What does bless really mean? It sometimes gets watered down to something like have a good day. But in the biblical sense, to ask God for a blessing is to ask for God to impart supernatural favor like crying out for the wonderful unlimited goodness that only God has the power to give us. Proverbs 10.22 says, The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. And Jabez left it entirely to God to decide what the blessing would be, where and when and how he would receive them. It's like throwing yourself into the river of his will and just letting it carry you along. And a guaranteed byproduct is that we are moving in God's direction, praying for exactly what God desires. We're praying for God's perfect will to be accomplished through us. But there's a catch. We have to ask. Jesus said, ask and it will be given you from Matthew 7, 7. You do not have because you do not ask. That's the catch. If you don't ask for his blessing, You forfeit those blessings that come to you only when you ask. Our Heavenly Father is delighted to give us blessings, and we may forfeit a lot of them because we don't ask for them. Why not make it a lifelong commitment to ask God every day for his blessing on you, and while you're at it, ask him to bless you a lot. His bounty is limited only by us, not by his unlimited power or willingness to give. Asking can change our future. And the next sentence of the prayer is, Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. We can ask God to enlarge our territory so that we can make a greater impact for him. Jabez wanted to influence more, take more responsibility, more opportunity, to make a mark for the God of Israel. Unfortunately, nowadays, uh, a lot of the ministers you hear on television put that into a material realm. But let's keep it in the spiritual realm. We don't ask God for $30,000 because I want that bigger car, truck, etc. We want to ask God to bless us so we have a greater influence in our community, a greater influence in developing his kingdom. And so he prays, looking at his uh, situation, likely was a farmer or a herdsman, and uh, he made the decision, Lord, everything you've put under me or in my care, take it and enlarge it. 
Jabez may well have prayed like this. O oh God and King, please expand my opportunities and impact in such a way that I will touch more lives for your glory. Let me do more for you. And when we pray like this, things begin to happen. Things get exciting. We can ask by simply saying to God, send somebody into my life who needs me. God is looking for people who want to do more. In Zechariah 4, 6, we read, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God specializes in working through normal people who believe in a supernatural God who will do his work through them. God will bring opportunities and people into our path. He'll never send someone to us who he cannot help with his strength. And you also experience a tremendous thrill of God carrying on, carrying you along as you're doing it. Many years ago, I enlisted to uh, take part of a missions tour to India. Uh, before I left, I made small cards with the dates on it and requesting the people of my church to pray for me during that time and handed them out in the, in the mailboxes. And uh, the way it worked is we had to write out our testimony and then ask people to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. The uh, lady that worked with this team took our testimony since there was a group of us that went and translated them all into the Telugu language so that if somebody in the group would want to have a copy of it, they could hand them out. Uh, one day we arrived in one village and the people were invited to come and uh, I guess not too many of you have been in India, but if you're in India, you're surrounded by people. There's a lot of people there. Uh, I think they've passed the billion mark by now. And so uh, there's really no problem in getting people. And I was kind of being used as the uh, uh, white man, come and see what this white man has to say. And we had to actually chase the children away from our car because they wanted to see this white man. And uh, we wanted to get going. And so uh, we went to this village and I was ready to start to give my testimony, which I had prepared. And uh, we found that we didn't have a translator. Well, one very intelligent nurse in our group uh, who had a limited knowledge of English but a good knowledge of the Telugu took my testimony and assumed about where I was and she translated and somehow we got through our presentation. Uh, obviously we didn't uh, feel very successful about this uh, but word got around. And then the next week we went back to the same village and there was a Christian school teacher there and this time we were invited onto the large porch of, this, of the school and there were, I don't know how many people, I'm going to say right now, maybe like 50 that came. And uh, when I invited them to pray the prayer of salvation, about 25 of them did pray this prayer. And we were honored to have the entire group. We had our picture taken as uh, a group to have this exciting time as God worked through this same message. Now, to pray for larger borders is to ask for a miracle. It's that simple. It's an invitation for God to do something that wouldn't normally happen. And Dr. Wilkinson says, in my life, I've always started with a bold request to expect God's, expand God's kingdom a lot. And when you take just little steps, you don't really need God that much, but when you take large steps, 
that are beyond your ability to accomplish. And then pray that the Lord would use us and give us more ministry for him. If you have prayed to the Lord to expand your territory, your border will expand and you will recognize his divine answer. You'll have a front row seat in a great life of miracles. The next line in Jebus' prayer is, Oh, that your hand would be with me. Having dared to ask for an enlarged ministry, you will suddenly realize the rush of wind under your wings stops. Helpless, you suddenly start to plummet to the ground. New ministry opportunities have taken you into new territory. You may find yourself in that situation and often feel afraid, misled, a little angry. Dr. Wilkinson says he had this experience. He decided to seek the counsel of a trusted older man who had been a spiritual father for thousands, and he told him that he thought he was doing God's will, and he thought he was doing what God had called him to, and he confessed, I'm still describing the crisis when this man breaks in and says, Son, that feeling you're running into is called dependence. It means you're walking with the Lord Jesus. Actually, the second you're not feeling dependent is the second you've backed away from truly living a life of faith. That feeling that I just can't do it is what you're supposed to be feeling, my, my friend, and we are expected to attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. At the start, Jabez may have had things that were still manageable. But when the boundaries got moved out, the kingdom-sized tasks of God's agenda uh, started coming in at him. He needed divine help. He could have turned back, but instead he prayed, asking God to help him to do more. And that's why we call on God's help, not to become great, but to become dependent on the strong hand of God. He becomes great through us. A young couple with preschool children went into a large city park, the kind of park that would make an older man wish he was a child again. And uh, the one big attraction in this park was the slides. And of course, their youngster, preschooler, was just excited to go to these slides and he ran off to the first slide climbed up to the top, looked at his parents who were sitting on a bench nearby, waved at them and went sliding down. Well, that was uh, good, so uh, he decided uh, he might try the medium-sized slide. And he started up and uh, a few steps and he decided, oh, maybe I'm out of my league here. He backed off and went down. He noticed some of the other children climbing up and sliding. Finally, he thought, yep, I can do it. So he climbed to the top of the slide and slid down three times. Well, after he'd done that, he looked at the tall slide and he looked at his dad and his dad looked away and his mother said to her, her husband, uh, don't you think you should go with him? And her husband says, no, let's, let's just wait. So they waited and uh, the youngster got, looked up this slide and his, in his little imagination it must have looked like it reached to the clouds. And uh, 
As he started up the slide, he went up a few steps, slowly, hand over hand, step by step, and suddenly he stopped, and he froze. He couldn't go up or down. He had reached the point of certain failure. And the father rushed over and said, Are you okay? His son looked down, shaken and clinging to the ladder, with steely determination, and the father could see. He had a question ready. Dad, will you come down the slide with me? The teenager behind him was losing patience. Why, why son, I can't do it without you, Dad, he said, trembling. It's too big for me. The father stretched as high as he could reach and lifted him in his arms. Then they both climbed to the top of the ladder, which they thought, the youngster thought was as high as the clouds. And at the top, the father put his son in front of him, put his arms around him, and then they both went zipping down the slide together, laughing all the way. That is what the father's hand is like. When we tell him, Father, please do this in me, because I can't do it alone. It's too big for me. Then we step out in faith and do and say the things that could only come to us from the hand of God. And afterwards we say, God did it. Nobody else. God carried me. God gave me the words. God gave me the power. And in the end, it was wonderful. God's power under us, through us, is exactly what God wants. He wants us to be dependent on him and to have him work through us. Many of us, even as mature Christians, miss it and don't ask for it, actually hardly know it exists. It was not only reserved for the prophets and apostles, it's also for us that his, he wants to work through us. We may come to the conclusion we've gone too far and ended up in the wrong place, but that's where God wants us. Jabez, on the other hand, went ahead. In Acts, we read about the early church. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. These people in the book of Acts were ordinary people. We know when Jesus called his disciples, and now that Jesus had been with them for three years, he left them, and he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them before they did anything else. And then God sent his Holy Spirit. He touched his ordinary people with greatness, filling them with his miraculous power. He touched uh, them and uh, they started to spread the gospel. And we know the story, how 3,000 responded to the gospel in one day. And it was only God's work through them that could account for this miraculous mass conversion and the miracles that took place. The early church was a community that spent hours, even days in prayer together, waiting on God and asking for his power. They were longing to receive from God's hand a fresh spirit, a feeling of God's power to change impending certain failure into a miracle. When was the last time we asked God regularly and fervently, Oh, put your hand on me. Fill me with your spirit. For us Christians, dependence is just another word for power. Oh, that you would keep me from evil. 
a full-page magazine ad, had the picture of a Roman gladiator who unfortunately had dropped his sword. And uh, on the side was a lion coming at him with his mouth wide open, ready to take his captive, while the poor gladiator tried to escape. The Colosseum is full of people standing on their, on their, uh, by their seats and watching as this horrible moment is about to take place. And then there's a caption on this, sometimes you can afford to come second, sometimes you can't. By receiving, by receiving supernatural blessings, influence, and power, Jabez might have believed that he could now jump into the room with any lion and win. But Jabez understood something that the doomed gladiator didn't. By far, our most important strategy in defeating the roaring lion is to stay out of the arena. That's why the final request of this prayer was that God would keep him out of the fight. After all, when we want to invade new territory for God, guess whose territory we're trying to invade? So like Jabez, it's sometimes best to just ask for supernatural help and wisdom to protect us from Satan with his proven ability to make us come second best. Success brings with it greater danger for failure. As someone has said, blessedness is the greatest of perils because it tends to dull our senses of dependence on God. We get to the point that it was us who, accomp who accomplished something. So the most important part of this prayer is to pray, please God, keep us away from evil today. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Without temptation, we wouldn't sin. And most of us uh, face temptations, and without God's help, we do sin. So we need to ask God to lead us away from temptations. Yes, we need to ask God to help us to beat temptations, but just as much, we need to ask God to help us to avoid temptation. Even Jesus prayed for deliverance. Temptation itself is not sinning. We need wisdom because the nature of temptation is to often mix falsehood with a little bit of truth. Remember even the Garden of Eden. Satan came alongside and said, Has God really said, Surely you will not die? And of course she fell into temptation and experienced spiritual death. So wisdom would teach us to stay out of the arena of temptation whenever possible. And then the last, we read, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It would appear here that God has favorites. Actually, God simply favors those who ask. To ask to be more honorable is not arrogance or self-centeredness. It's not that we want to take credit for ourselves, but it describes what we want God to do through us. It has little to do with talent. The super saints in Hebrews, if you really look at it, started out as very ordinary, easy to overlook people who had faith in an extraordinary God, a miraculous God. And they stepped out to act on that faith that their life would be marked by God's generous blessings and supernatural provision and divine leading 
at the very moment they needed it. God wants to expand our borders with every person we meet. And if you're confident that God's powerful hand is directing you, you'll sense it even as you minister. Dr. Wilkinson said he had put uh, to test the following of the nudging of the Holy Spirit. If he met somebody in an airplane or an airport or something, and they got into a conversation, and he found that he could easily start a conversation by saying, how can I help you? God will bring you to that person in need at exactly the right time and the right circumstances. And at the moment, you will receive power to be his witness. And the bottom line is, God granted Jabez his request. Imagine that final word, God granted what he requested. And then Jabez moves off the scene, and we hear no more about this man. So we say, Lord, oh, that you would bless us indeed and enlarge our territory, that your hand would be with us and that you would keep us from evil, that we may cause no pain. May God grant us this request. May God help us to ponder these thoughts that they have fallen onto good soil and use them to inspire us to ask God to bless us as we learn to depend on him. May I suggest some homework? When, I, when you get home today, turn to 1 Chronicles 9, 4 verse 9 to 11, and copy it on a slip of paper and post it somewhere where you'll see it, either on your bathroom mirror or on your fridge, and pray it every day and see what will happen. Do that for a month and just see what will happen. Now, I'm not going to check up on you, but uh, I'll leave the experience up to you. May God bless you as you think on these things.